welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast, where I need to issue an apology, multiple apologies here. It is a very difficult thing to say I'm sorry. The Houston Astros have proven that it's very difficult to say you're sorry. Or very easy if you want to talk about uh, how much effort and preparedness you have to go. Well, certainly not Jim Crane. He didn't do that. Uh, I will apologize for two things. The last two podcasts on this show, it made me seem like I was optimistic about the Florida Panthers and to think they've turned a corner. Clearly, I shouldn't have said that because fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. So I'm not going to do that again. And the second I was, time I want to apologize. I was, you were a good salesman. I was trying to go along with you there. I mean, you, you wanted to believe it. You wanted to see it it's that meme. finally it's the clicking. It's with the yeah. spaceship in, and I want to believe. And I want to believe. I want to believe that things are going to get better, even though, you know, the Jaguars owner is moving two games to London and has no idea why that seems like a bad idea. Um, let's see. The Mets had to fire their manager because they didn't do enough due diligence to realize he was the one leading a trash ban ca- banging scheme. Oh, that's great. You know, Maryland is the dysfunctional viper pit. They still are, and they always will be. Um, I, I don't know. I'm still unemployed, three and a half years worth of it. But anyway, the second thing I want to apologize for is to Dwayne, our friend from Buffalo. Because last week we did the show, and we didn't mention him until the very, very end. And I felt horrible doing that because that is, you know, the, the idea of what all of us who are watching really terrible teams, not just as fans, but as observers, you know, feel like. It seems like you're just yelling at a wall. And now I feel more like Dwayne than ever because while we might not yell a lot on this show, boy, if you wanted somebody to yell about the Florida Panthers, this would be the week to do it because good Lord have things fallen apart since we last did a show. And so I felt like Dwayne and I wondered myself openly, is there a Dwayne in the Panthers fan base? And I said, no, all the Dwaynes are on the beach. So that was a stupid question. I, I think we invoked it. By by uh, leaving them towards the end, kind of. Uh, yeah. Well, that's why I've rectified that by starting it in the early. Yeah. Of not to misappropriate, you know, the term karma and uh, that, but I don't know if yeah. Be karma, but uh, other things. Yeah. Good, get well soon, Jay Bomeister. I know I've you know said things about your Panthers tenure, but get well soon, obviously. That's important. Yeah, and it's not and it's not Jay Bomeister's fault that the Panthers messed no. up, the, the, the mishandled the trade and everything that you know and what they got back from and everything. They should have traded him earlier gave him a real shot to uh get his career going right away instead jay had to really fight fight to get his career back on track they, they, they did that with nathan horton too and uh, and, uh yeah i mean really it's 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 why when you read pieces in the athletic that talk to uh players agents and they talk about teams that they're players don't want to go to and they cite reasons sometimes it's florida because you know the it's not the greatest reputation with their players. I wonder why. Uh, yeah. So let's let's. Um, I want to do this a little differently here today. Uh, I want to start by, of course, there will be anger, but I think it's all resigned anger, more the bitter joke kind of anger, because boy, have we seen this movie before? Uh, yeah. And, and we'll start. It's another by, wasted. It feels like by, you know you start to get that wasted, rotted feeling. Oh, oh, the rot's always been there, but now the rot's actually taking down the foundation. You've ever watched those shows on HGTV? You know what happens. There's rot, and then there's Homes and homes or whatever. That, yeah, well, Canadians are very good. It's appropriate for the hockey show. If you you look at it, I think most of those HGTV shows are Canadian, so uh, definitely supports your local Canadian markets. We can send them in to clear out asbestos. 
or any toxic material. Yeah, they just got to start in the front office uh, yes. and uh, in like the C-suite and, uh, you know, that kind of oh. area, I think. I mean, like this is like how many it's the joke used to be like how many years into the blueprint are we in it's like how many years into the viola blueprint are we in how many years are we into the viola 2.0 blueprint and like it's still the same we're still hitting the same bars rot 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 but as we said before and we'll get to this later the reason why they're so bad is a reaction to a reaction to reaction in construction there is no plan anymore it's just a bunch of reactions to other people's reactions. And once you react too much, you get to where we are now. So I want to start by answering a few questions uh, before we get to a new way of talking about how bad the Panthers are, which is comparing them to another average team. Uh, I'll start with this. I don't really want to continue to see people blaming Barkov for all this. It's not fair. Or Hubert Or you, Yeah, that's just ridiculous. And at this point, I'm ready to lump in Dadnov and Ekblad. Yeah, because they're not uh, the problems. Because they're just not. The I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna lump, uh, lump in Hoffman because he's not the problem. It's the Florida. You know, he's he just isn't the solution either. No, so he's, he, not the, he's not a problem. I think we've said yeah, what you can say about Hoffman. He is a known quantity. Yeah, there's a there's a short list of people who you know maybe yes can play better. Yes, uh, have had down nights and have, you know, maybe missed a shot or passed when they should have shot, you know, a few times that stands out in your memory. But overall, yeah, they're not they, problems. If everybody else was being better, they would easily be making up those strides. Mm. You know, yes. I mean, because it's, it's, it's harder for, let's say, Huberto. Huberto has to try new things. Huberto has to do a lot of east to west games uh, in his game and has to do a lot of passing and stuff and get lateral movement because the goalies, the other teams, watch so much more tape of him than any other Panther because they don't have to split up the time with other lines. They don't have to focus on anybody else. They don't have to think about anything else. So you know, it's, what you're seeing with Barkov is not a lack of effort. You're seeing frustration because teams have game plan to stop them and in many regards, they know how to because hockey players are good at that. And if you have yeah. coaching, you can figure that out. And yeah. I think a lot of people in the start of the year didn't know how to stop them vis-a-vis -vis the way the Panthers are playing now. Right. And now they figured out how to stop them. And the problem is there is just nobody else. that is. And, and of some of that problem. is on coaching too because just like in the power play where they keep doing that same uh, – Keith Yandel turns around, turns his back to, you know, the opposition and just waits, waits, waits and gives, you know, Barkov a drop pass and they jump it or cut it off or they just, you know, they sit back and, and you know, whatever, however they react, they're always ready for it because it's the same breakout every time. And, uh, mm -hmm. and you wonder why they get, give up so many shorthanded opportunities and, and all this other stuff. The, is the coaching staff, helping the players adapt their game, helping them break down tape. You know, Barkov can't – you can't expect, like, Barkov to be breaking down so much tape on his own and working out and leading the team and doing this and doing that. You know, like, he can't do it all for 82 games. Yeah, 82 games. It's a long season. You can't do it all for 82 games to keep your team just treading water. Like, that's, that's a lot. And, like, they're still on point-per-game – trajectories at least like you know like they're still in not the issues 
they're in see, and if the production blaming, range of I, where I, they should I've be. I've seen enough people blame, and it's Panthers fans, so I know that when you look at what they say on Twitter, there's a lot of people who aren't reasonable, let's be honest. But if you're blaming Barkov, you, you can't have reasonable discussions with people like that because he is doing everything he can to try to will this team forward because he knows he has to do more than the average bear, and he can't because teams have game plan to stop him. What? What? All right, let's... While we're talking about Barkov and here we go real, real quick before we move on, would I when this is even hard to talk about? Where is the line where you move Barkov and Huberto and move the core to Knights Spencer Knights age? I, and, I don't know if we can just start. That. I don't think there's even a point to ask that question right now because there's so many things that they have to do is it, in the meantime. Is it next year? Is it if this if you know, I, 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 we're in the same spot next year. Like, let's just say next year we're in the exact same spot. Like, the, the exact GM, same year happened. That's another question that you have to ask because I don't know who the GM is and the GM might okay. have a different view. We, there's a long okay. way to go before we even ask that question. But at, at some point, but I'm willing to have that discussion. that discussion than we've ever been before. And I yeah, I'm willing to have that discussion because I want Barkov and Hubro to play playoff hockey in their prime, whether in Florida or anywhere else. It's not fair to them to waste their prime like like you know Giroux when he came up was on a good Flyers team and got playoff experience and stuff but then through his prime he's really been on a bubble team that hasn't utilized the properly in seven years the Flyers yeah which so would sound like a long time but for the Panthers it's and, 24 so um <laughs> you know I mean you know or as a lot of people on Twitter point out like their whole life they're, they're Florida yeah, Panthers thought, fans, yeah. and that's I mean, their whole life. When the Florida Panthers won a playoff series, I was two and a half years old. It's two and a half. So let me let me also ask this, because I think that this is fair to say. Before we get on to comparing and contrasting the Flyers and the Panthers, doing what this podcast is best at, the, the thing that I'll ask is, if we're going to ask, like, who are the players that would be absolved of blame? Just, like, I don't want to see you getting blaming them on Twitter – for anything that's going on here. Everybody is playing badly right now, but if we're talking about the root causes of the issues that are going to be well, why this team probably misses yeah. the playoffs, you cannot blame Barkoff and Uberto, obviously. You can't blame Ekblad because they're actually having a really good year and nobody else is anywhere close to picking up the slack. Who else would you be like, okay, I can't blame them? Like, I could say, yeah. yes, I can blame the coaches, but they are not the reason why the Panthers are where they are. Like, they can adjust, and they should adjust. They can all do a better job. But they're not the reason why the Panthers are bad. This isn't like in recent years where coaching was clearly an issue. Coaching is a problem, but it is not the, you know, most, like, immediate problem that has to be fixed. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and you can argue that coaching and player coaching from Yandel, sort of, uh, his oh, team cheerleader gonna, stuff, is is good. We're going to talk about Yandel later. We, we, yeah. I want to um, talk about that from my own personal yeah. experiences. All right, so let's let's, let's, so let's, let's, get on to the, let's go on to the Flyers, because I let's, think it ties back to a point that you let's brought up. Let's compare and contrast these two games, or yeah. even like the five-game stretch that we've seen. But really, the well, I, I want to do it. And Flyers have played. Because I want to compare and contrast what they do and why the Panthers have looked so awful. And the Flyers, who are not a great team. They're an average team or slightly above average team. They're a playoff bubble team. Why they look so much better. And why they look like they were world beaters. Not just Monday, but particularly last night. 
So, I want to, so what's the first thing you notice when you watch the Flyers play vis-a-vis -vis the Panthers in these games? How do the Panthers give up almost all the goals against the Flyers? Rebounds, right? Right in front yeah. of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the and then the two games, it was really just about a team that was is climbing the mountain together, so to speak. Uh, and they have one identity. They they you know they know what they have to do on the ice. Every player under was understanding their role and playing within themselves and playing to what you know was laid out by the coach and staff and what they've been trying to do all year. Uh, and you've seen that that they've come back for the break. They started the break with the closed door players meeting, not after losing you know six of eight. Yeah, after giving up they've 13 points, goals 13 oh, points after the All-Star break. That they've played since the All-Star break. Yeah. They've scored seven goals and in six games. It, it, it shows that for whatever reason, you can say it's an older leadership group. You can say it's a more experienced leadership group. You can say it's a more historical franchise with more money put into the team, with better facilities, with a bigger coaching staff, with a bigger scouting staff, with... Uh, you know, that has had an identity for decades, that has won on that identity and has a pedigree to back it up. And even though they haven't won in a while, they've stayed true to that identity. So when teams know what to expect, players know how they have to play. And it, it shows that when we talk, we, the point you brought up earlier, the Panthers are reacting, reacting, reacting. They don't have plans. The Flyers have plans, and they had plans. And you can since Dale Talon's first couple of years, had they had any sort of plan? And you can say that oh, they don't work, or oh, you know this or that. But you can see, you can go and say this is what Hextall was trying to do. He was trying to build through the draft, and he was trying to draft quality defensemen all the time, quality goaltenders all the time, Russians. Every he was trying to draft from Sweden, Finland. The best players he could possibly yeah, find. A mass draft picks. There was a plan and he executed to it. And it didn't bring him enough success to stay there. And the ownership was willing to make the change. Even though the, it brought them one of the best uh, prospects pools. And not in the way that like, oh, the Panthers were rated 10th overall by the Athletic. This was like it's still paying off dividends with guys oh, like yeah. Sandheim and Myers in, and they cycle in young players. And yeah. They just I mean, um, and they're, they're still, they're still a top, there's, a, there's, there's a, a top pool and they've lost. And, and you can argue they've lost Patrick and yeah, uh, Lindblom. They screwed up the second overall pick future. in the draft and it hasn't hurt them at all. Like you could yeah. argue that that second round pick was, a bad decision. You could argue it. It's still too early, but you could argue they, they screwed it up. For argument's I, sake. I don't, I'm not sure it is, but, but yeah. Just for argument's sake, for this discussion, they screwed it up. Yeah, it doesn't matter problem. that they screwed up the second overall pick because they're still, right now, probably a playoff team. They still have a good prospect system, and they've, and they've developed everything that you need in order to be successful. There's a development model, and how many times have you complained about the Panthers? There's no development model. There just yep. isn't. There's no. Yep, you look at you models. look at Heponiemi's stat line Borgstrom and minute and line. line. You, you know, you look at that and you say there has to be something wrong. These, you know, if these guys are, you know, pretty, you know, better than average for their draft slot, high rated, you know, coming out of the draft and thought and you know have some good years in juniors and everyone thinks so highly of them, you know, in the fan base, and then all of a sudden they get to the AHL. 
or the and and they just fall apart what's the you know what's the common factor right there it's not that they you know it could be that they all suck but if they all suck then it's the guys doing the drafting the guys the doing guys, the drafting but if you know and if it's developing it could be them too but I yeah and it could be everything. a mix but they got to do something here because you can't you know how much have they really changed that's always the question and the fact that they still after all these years haven't demonstrated a noticeable plan a strategy that's bearing fruit even if that fruit never really ripens or doesn't ripen all the way that leads to a championship and you know you just get some playoff years out of it like you're well, still not getting yeah you're still not getting that years. so you're not like it's it's really hard to say like where can we pin our hopes you know, like there is, I mean, we can talk about that. They have some top end players right now in their prime. They have a handful of wingers. Well, they have, well, yes and no. They have top, they have some top end prospects, but it's not full. You know, it's a bunch of wingers and a goalie. This is true. And is true. it's, it, that's, that's what it is. And you have some okay depth centers who maybe um, pan out to be, something but you you know they just aren't as deep as a lot of other nhl teams no. and teams that they're competing against for these playoff spots and Look will the be Toronto in the Maple foreseeable Leafs, future criticize them and they are basically the panthers north at this point with they have the same sort of issues but look at them like they've had injury after injury to keep players Janssen's now out for eight weeks mikhaev has been out they've lost Riley, they lost Muzzin, they lost all these players. And all they had to do was plop in a dude. And they might not play very well, but you don't see a terrible drop-off in their play, right? That's, except for goaltending, but that's, I think, a little bit different. Yeah, um, I mean, the, by, all, by all measures, playing. I mean, they've they had a coaching play. change. They've had a lot of adversity that's what it gets called on NBC Sportsnet but they've had a lot of adversity this year and they're still they're, in they're and they're still you know this is the best Panthers have been in a while and it's still it's not good made the playoffs this is the best that they've been and that my yeah. friend four years ago so it is not that recent anymore I want to compare and contrast just the way the Flyers and Panthers have played because I think that's going to elucidate a lot. And we talked after the Devils game when I, I talked about them simplifying their game and I was focusing more on the, you know, they're overpassing, they're overthinking it, they're overcomplicating it on the fly. And maybe they are. But you talked about the style and how really simple it is. And you look at the way that they play and it is really simple. And the way I think that you know is what about that third period against the Penguins? where it didn't really matter what the Panthers were going to do. They were never going to score because the Penguins just clamped it down, defended them in a certain way, and the Panthers had no way of figuring it out because they just play so simple. And, you know, I think the reason why that this is happening is the coaching staff knows this is probably the best way to get the most out of the players. They know this is the best they can get out of what they have. They play differently right. than they could, but they know they can't. But yeah. also, I think it is because – just the large majority of the roster, they aren't. I, I and this is going to sound like I'm saying they're dumb, but they're not high hockey IQ players. No, no, and yeah, and and when we talk about simple, there's two simples that gets thrown around. There's the simple, 
and what fans are always saying, like, oh, you know, Barkov's line, they just need to simplify their game and get more pucks on the net. I mean, it's it's like in the pucks in deep, like they just got to do the fundamentals. Like that's that's the, it's it's a sometimes true, but sometimes it's just throwing truisms out there uh, to. Because you can't, because it's it's harder to identify the it's harder to identify the issue. You can say you can say, you know, like oh, if they just try harder or if they just you know get more shots on the net, it'll it'll be better. But like the the underlying issue is there's reasons they aren't getting those shots on the net. There are reasons that they aren't just working harder together because it's not, it's the pieces of the puzzle aren't matching right now. There's you know they they can at times bundle up that team, you know, Rudy story when like, you know, Pissick the Prius and, you know, Matheson gets some bounces. But if you don't get that right away to intro this show, but then last night yeah. was so bad that I had to scrap but it. That, yeah. But that's like all the, that's all the hunky dory stuff they got going for him. I mean, like when they don't kind of that type of, this way. you know, Panthers cohesion, like there is none. Pessick hat trick. Like, that's yeah. how bad this stretch has been. It's like, unless Mark Pesek had a hat trick against Toronto, the Panthers probably are, like, almost done. Yeah, and you have to kind of take that away because, you know, Mark Pesek got a hat trick versus is, Toronto. Not yeah. something that is replicable. And, and you know, honestly, if, if it was, like, you know, Barkov getting a hat trick versus Toronto, I'd probably say, you know, if that was the only thing keeping them in the running you you can't count that either because you know you can't count on barkov to always get hat tricks you know like that would be my theory as well but um it's but let's talk about what the flyers game yeah what 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 florida is playing as simple is they play one way and and they don't play it well they they're just fumbling around they're just chipping pucks ahead you know what they're doing is just trying to get north south up down the ice like that that's the simple people want them to play but the simple they're playing is just a pond hockey running gun uh game and they can't switch it up when they have to you know bear down without a pl- without barkov they couldn't do it because they couldn't they just run well. they didn't have the offense they they, were, they, they, they had were... it they they were told to button down and they couldn't do it because they didn't have they, the the centers had to step up and play above their heads. Mm. You know there was a lot of things going on. Your goalie's not in cohesion with the defense. It was an impossible task. They were going to drop games like it like at some t- sometimes the whole roster construction hurts you when you oh yeah you're you're banking on health. You're banking on Barkov and Huberto always being there to to. Yeah, pretty healthy. And when when that doesn't happen, you know, a lot of teams will break down when that happens. But the teams that go on to the playoffs that year and go on to win the Stanley Cup that year get through it somehow. And you need to go into the year every year with the depth, with the prospects that are emerging that you can call up and the willingness to play them in the AHL. Uh, give them their opportunities, move them up to the NHL, continue to give them opportunities. Don't bail on them and, and just, you know, stick Mark Pissick in over them constantly. You know, like there's a lot of things that Florida can do. Uh, You know, you look at Philadelphia, what has Philadelphia done? They've rotated a lot of young guys up and down. 
Lehigh Valley is one of the better Lehigh Valley is one of the better AHL teams and they you know even if they don't win every year or go to the playoffs they're developing their prospects well and they have a mix of good vets that keeps people coming and prospects that they can nurse along the way and they hire good coaches they hire good junior coaches to come out and coach their ahl team can we talk about that fourth line for the flyers for a second because i think that's really indicative of something like yeah. it was it was probably the best line that the flyers had in those two games which is saying something because because you know, uh, yeah and it, it's it's just what they did worked you you knew what they you had a task you set to that task they did it really well if they got a goal great which they did they got plenty of them but, but if that's... they played their task well like that's that's the thing they they found their task and these players have found their roles you know what I mean like yeah I don't want to get too focused on that though because no that's not acceptable I don't care what you think about that. Mark Pesic playing his wing, period, it's not acceptable. It shows you that they have no other options. The Flyers, James Van Riemsdyk's making, what, $77 million a year or something like that? And he's playing third-line winger, but he's got nearly 20 goals. He's got a role, and he fits into it. He's got a job, and he's doing his job. I know that's Bill Belichickian, but, like, it's simple. Like, the Flyers have a simple structure. They're not doing anything crazy, but all the little things that they needed to do, active sticks, getting in front of the net to clear rebounds. Carter Hart was giving up rebounds. The Panthers couldn't get to them. Unlike on the other end, where every rebound, there was a flyer there because the Panthers can't clear out the net front, and that is definitely an element of construction. Um, we'll get to that too. So all of these things, the little things that the Flyers are doing, it seemed like it was a foreign concept to the Panthers. Active sticks, taking your man, being able to get there, that, that little bit of extra in a puck battle, which the Panthers couldn't do, and you saw by the second period, they looked like, it's not that they had given up, it looked like they threw their hands up and we were like, what can we do here? We can't do anything. They're just doing all these things that either they didn't know how to do or they weren't capable of doing, and either of those uh, explanations is pretty bad. Yeah, and, and I think we're being a little confusing here because... I, I don't think that what the fires were doing was simple. I think they were it's it not simple, simple to have but yeah, but we can't just keep using the word simple. I mean, I like you know, like we have to be the and the Panthers just made it simple because they didn't fight back. There was no pushback. There was no identity. There was no okay, they're they're going to the slot this way. This is how they're coming up the ice. This is what we're, this is how we're going to cut them off. This is how we're going to separate them from the puck. Uh, there is no fight in front of the net. I mean, they're everybody's still puck watching. Everybody's still unsure of where they need to be, or if they aren't unsure, they should be because they're not where they should be. They're always trailing. They're always on the wrong side of their guy. You know, it's just it's not as attention to detail it's not as they're in this to they're playing a team game they're not communicating whether on you know you don't hear them on the ice i mean it's hard for me to hear them i don't know i would love for if anyone actually listens to this podcast to to let us know if they ever hear them talking on the ice because you never hear it on tv really you know sometimes you hear yandel but Sometimes uh, they wheel. That's about all yeah. I, I hear them say. Yeah, but I mean, there's. They just don't play well t t together as a team. If, you know, if the 
if Florida made it hard, Philadelphia has other ways they can play. You know, they can play east to west. They can they can get around traps. They can they've shown the ability this year to win games on in different ways much more so this year and the last couple of years than the florida has i mean oh, like florida it has one way to play and if it works it's great but there are times when it's not going to work I but it's not going to work example. i mean i think i i think that it's it's fool's gold the running gun like oh the new nhl you just need defense that ju- you just need guys who just are all offense all the time and you just well, do running gun pond hockey and it doesn't struggling in the same way so it, it, it is it you need to be able it's not that that doesn't work it's that you need other things that you can do you need other well no it's okay. you need to you you can't you have to understand that the new nhl isn't defensemen that are just offensive it's not it's not defensemen that just have good skating and you know um jump up into the play a lot it's not getting defensemen who have get a lot of points or a lot of assists a new age defenseman is somebody who's mobile who can uh, is more like a uh, a back in soccer than a, than old school tough guy defenseman. Yeah, you know, it's like the, they're physical. They're they get their checks exactly. But like you they're, need they're going up and down, but they actually can defend pretty well. Even yeah, they get back the right way. They know when to get back. They know when to step up. They're not always stepping up. They they're not starting the game. You know, I mean, unless the the clear opportunities there, they're not just every period just going for it they're not you know and when they do defend they know how to defend they're proficient at it and then that's yeah. their job and that's what they start from and that's their foundation and it's not and you see that colorado is a team that can pull that off because they have defensemen that do that and mccarr right now is you know young so he's going to be weaker on defense because it's going to take him a while to adjust to the NHL and get there. But in his prime, you can tell that he and Gerard and stuff have the skills to play enough defensively, to manage one-on-ones, to mark their guys, to win board battles, to to know where to position their bodies. They're smart. They're heady. It's not going to be can. an issue. What about the Flyers? We might have said this year, I don't understand getting Braun and Niskanen, but you know what? They, they have jobs and they and, can defend the puck really well. But they Niskanen shows what we were, what I was just talking about: the ability to match well one on one against a guy, to skate with them, to stay with them. Those are new school aspects. But he also has the ability to stay on the right side of the puck with him, shut him down, limit him, get his stick on the puck so he doesn't have as many options with it. You know, he's and is a quiet defender. And, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, the Flyers it, have all have a lot of them. Yeah, and they're all really good at all of these things we just talked about. But they also have different kinds of defensemen. Puck management, you know, they're yeah. much oh. and they and they and it's it's not hot potato. You know, we talk about reactionary with the front office. It's reactionary on the ice. It's yep. especially in the defensive zone or the transition back to defense they're horrible at the tra- well, transition back to defense last night you saw a turnover and i'm like oh this is a two-on-one like it yeah, happened just every time they turn the puck over and they're not like they're not ready you know like uh when i was playing hockey they'd always say you know when you go out to a face-off have in your mind what you're going to do if you win and what you're going to do if you lose you know and you got to do that with 50 50 battles and you know the, the the Florida D don't do that. They just think about 
what if we get this puck and I can jump? They never think about where do I have to be or how can I position myself better so I can jump, but also I can jump back. You know, they don't do that. And just it's it's little shifts like that that will make a huge difference. And it's either coaching, it's either these players can do it, or it's drafting, it's I, it's trading, what? it's getting the wrong guys because these guys aren't going to be able to do it and they need to get new guys. You know and what? they need to I, make I, up I, their I, minds I, and this is, this move is a forward. Problem. If Joel Quenville, who's one of the best coaches in the NHL, can't get this team to play any differently than a Bob Boogner coach team, then it's a, co- it's a construction problem. Yeah, and I mean... The coaching is an issue, and listen, it is. Everybody's failing right now in the organization from top to bottom, and I've said that when this stuff happens, this is an organizational failure. Everybody has a part in it, but right now, this is largely a construction issue with the Panthers. It, 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 there is no other way to say it, and I've defended Dale Talon a lot. Because I thought a lot of the criticism that he got was not fair. And I think a lot of the criticism was not in good faith because people didn't know what was going on. However, what Dale Talon has done, and I've liked some of the moves that he's made, and drafting Barkoff was a great decision, and Huberto was a great decision, and Ekblad was a very good decision, et cetera, et cetera. But the overall construction of this team is bad. It is really, really bad. There is no cohesive identity. The defense core issues have existed for a long time, and they haven't been fixed. And to the point now where it has become so big of an issue that some of the defensemen have to play as forwards because even the bottom six isn't good enough when it looked like it was. Now you have the, the story, like they're looking to trade for defensemen. Well, of course they are because they're one of the worst teams in the league defensively. They have to. They have no choice. If they want to make the playoffs, they can't continue to go like this. Or alternatively, you have a, just – you don't have – you know, we talked about it, high hockey IQ players. It's like, we talked about it with Trocek. It's like, he could be a good player, but I think it's proven now he's not a top six center. He's not a top two center. You have to answer that question. I mean, he can, I mean, I think, I think he's, I think he's one of those bubble two, three centers and he can play the wing. Well, and I mean, like he's, he's a, he's a, he's a two, three flex, flex, I guess. Let's, let's be, let's be honest. If he played on a team with a more cohesive structure and a more cohesive identity, he could be a lot better than he is. Yeah. He's not. Yeah, just like I think if Kevin Hayes came to Florida instead of Philadelphia, he would have been, you know, in the tank, you know? It would have been, it would have been a similar kind of thing. because that's and, and that is a construction issue with this team. And that falls on Dale Talon. And Talon... Yeah, I mean, it has to at this point. Whether you well, like yeah, Talon no, no, or no, believe in him, off. like, yeah, it's it's been... He's, it's been... Oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's been, it's been too long. Like and I mean, listen. and listen, there, I want him around. Things. I want him around. You know, he's good. I hope he stays long enough that he's sort of like Bill Tory is in the end. Um, listen, I, I think I, I hope it. Things that he's done we well, we he's have cups to win, and I hope he's here for but all of them. The, but if this, if they don't make the playoffs, which right now looks likely, he cannot be the primary decision maker next year. He can be a team president. He can be a special advisor. He can be what Bill Torrey was, but he can't be the primary decision they, maker anymore. They and need to bring. And, and, and as I said, and you're about to say, it, I know you, and this is correct. They need to bring somebody from the outside. You cannot hire from within. You right. have to but... bring somebody from the outside of this organization to come in because you need fresh voices. And that is just, just so important. 
Because when Woodard. he brought in Talon, he at least was an outside voice, had not been around in Florida before, and he saw the issues. He couldn't fix them, but he saw the problems. I want that in the same way from the Florida Panthers. And if Talon's still around, you can hire some young up-and-coming AGM and then therefore promote them and give them the GM role, and you can have, you know, like, again, like a George McPhee with Kelly McCrimmon or a situation like that, for example. I, I just... Like, I don't even know where to go with this. They need to have somebody who is going to ha- put together a unified no, top-to-bottom right. system of this is how we're going to identify talent. These are, this is the talent we're going to look at. For, for good weather, bad weather, for whatever, this is the type of team we're going to build. You know, the try to build the Red Wings model, the Patriots model. These are this is what we have to do. You know, if there's no point in being in sports and saying you want to be competitive and everything, if you, that's not how you're going to run it, and you have to figure out how from the beginning of the cycle all the way through, they get a good product on the ice. Well, here's here's what we're saying about that. Like, what is the vision of the team? What does the GM want the team to look like? And then you work with the coach. Presumably, Joel Quenville's going to stay around. He's getting played a lot of money. I don't think he's going anywhere. So you work then with Joel Quenville, and you say, okay, what do, you, what do we want this team to be? And you decide on your identity. And then you say, well, what kind of players do we need? We go after those kinds of players. We have a philosophy, and we stick to it. Even if you, I could argue that I don't like this philosophy, which is fine, as long as you stick to it and you commit to your identity, whatever it is, I've got no issue with that. And good teams do this. You know, they have an identity, they have a philosophy, they do what they need to do, and they execute on that vision every single time that they're they won't, in the decision. They won't do it though, because what what it what's what's the real what's the man behind the man behind the man behind the throne? It's that the ownership has trouble giving up control and giving up old habits, and you know we don't Again, hear from them as if much. But if ownership are they? then they have to be able to look themselves in the mirror. And I know it's hard for multi-gazillionaires to do this, but you have to. Because the only way that you can be successful is admit, I screwed up. And it's hard for owners to do that. And Vinny Viola has sort of done that, but not in the way... They don't even have to do that. They just... just, Can they they let let somebody somebody else completely run the show? I mean, it, they show like yeah. they can sometimes, but can they bring in a GM who's going to be like a Steve Eiserman, who's going to be, you know, it's got to be dictatorship type of, you know, well, not, not like in not, a mean, not, like that, but I mean, not like, in a mean way, but like in the one centralized source of power. And or not even that, like the Leafs have Shanahan and Dubas, but they have an vision. They, the Florida can't pull that off. It's they've tried, you know, like this is a, this is a, Hey, we have three years to, we need somebody to come in, micromanage this and get us over the line of, we need to be competitive enough to resign Barkov and Huberto and keep this thing going because that's Florida's best chance at winning a Stanley cup mm. or, or, the flip side of the coin is you need to bring somebody in because you're selling off Hubert and Barkov and resetting the core to Knights, uh, you know, to, to a younger eight and you're restarting over again and you're moving the window up five years. So the next three years when you falter, it's not underachieving, it's 
building towards the next, you know, and they'll sell it like they usually do. And the same loyal Kool-Aid fans will go and they won't really lose that much. They'll lose the same amount of money they're losing now. It's they'll it's just really they'll just not be missing expectations. Did you notice that the, the, the attendance for the last three games was all really quite good? Like last night was 15,500 for a Thursday night game. It's the not going to was 17. The 000. ebbs and flows of attendance and play overlap a little bit. Like they're kind of yeah. stack offsetting. Because, you know, it takes, you know, because they're so like, oh, they can, you know, and then they lose interest. And then they win a couple, and a couple of their wins will be under-attended. Uh, but then it'll bring them back. Year and now they've, well, yeah. I, I think, but, but the point is with this team right now, whatever ends up happening, because they're still in it. I mean, they're not out of it. But no. I mean, just like they're not out of being a good team for the foreseeable future, they're on the ed- they're faltering on the edge of the season of this core, and they really need someone to come in, grab grab the situation by the horns, and just and Somebody take over and that. drive this ship. Any reason to believe that they can't? But I don't. We were we were hoping we were hoping no that it would that it's going to happen. That's basically. We were hoping it would be Barkov, that Barkov or Huberto would just be able to just power through. But, I mean, you see it in Edmonton that, you know, Connor McDavid can – and Leon Dreisaitl at, like, obscene levels can power through a very weak division just to get into the playoffs and falter. I mean, they are not good by any means. But if they, if they, they would never see the playoffs if they were in the Panthers division. They'd never be a playoff team. You're right. Right. So like you, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't rely on that to happen. No, you just can't. So, you know, that's just, they need to have somebody else come in and take it over. But the, and, and, you know, Q is, Q is kind of doing that, but, we now know it's not it's a construction issue. We now know it's you know, Talon probably knew what to fix and some of the other people in this that's been sitting in the decision making chair know what to fix, but they just haven't made the right choices. So let's so and let's we need to now, make better choices. What do you, you asked this on Why Hockey's Twitter account, which all of you should follow if you aren't doing that already. Uh, what should they do? Because they're gonna do something. And people are like, Well, they need to sell. They're not gonna sell. You're too close to a playoff spot, and it is so. You need the playoffs. You need the. They're not going to sell, and if they do sell, it's somebody like Hoffman who they could get something back for, and there's nothing else that they could really sell. It's Pesic. I mean, I guess fine, I'd be okay with that, but you're not selling off anything that. I mean, I, I'm not against selling, but they need to. But they need to to make a plan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like they, you need. For the sake of selling, is not going to make you any better. So, like, if you're, if you're. If you're selling, you know, Hoffman and getting a young defenseman who maybe isn't going to be the difference maker this year, but can kind of help this year or doesn't help at all, but is going to be a difference maker next year. Yeah, um, let's say whoever doesn't get Chris Kreider, because the Rangers should be selling Chris Kreider. uh, If you sold that to the team runner up, whoever it is, right? We saw what, I mean, Zucker went because he had more years in term for what he went for. But if you sold him to say, I mean, I don't think they'd trade him in division, but let's just say Boston if they don't get Kreider. Let's say they traded Hoffman to the Bruins. And you could say maybe get, and like there was a promise of perhaps an extension for Hoffman there. Maybe you get Brandon Carlo or somebody like that would address a concern or need of this situation, yes? Like something like that. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's other defensemen I'd maybe get. What about the Avalanche? They need a top six forward. In, but... I don't think you're getting, you know, I don't think you're getting Sam Girard, but, you know, like something like that. I mean, I think you, I, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, well, I think you could get. And they don't get Kreider. Maybe you could Vince get Dunn, assets. Somebody like this. You can get assets that you can turn into a defenseman. You can yes. get maybe Jake Bean from Carolina. You can maybe. Would you be okay if because they, it looks definitely right now like they're going to trade for a defenseman, which means that that's good. I'm still on trading for Sammy Votnin, which I think the Panthers should be doing, because um, he would be great. But it's all it's all contingent on what who else is out there. What's the best price? But they like you're saying they need to bring in a defenseman who's at least that good. At least yeah. that impactful. I, I've again, we've seen them uh, like we've seen the the um, the connections with Alec Martinez. I that's just a name that we've seen. It's not that I'm saying I'd be for it or against it. I mean, Alec Martinez, whatever you want to say, uh, he's better defensively than anybody on the Panthers. I mean, it, I think it'd to, be like adding a adding a strawman. I think you know, and you'd be adding a better strawman, and this is true. You know, so I mean, it, it's. I, I would year, want something more. They need Ekblad. Talon's pretty right. I mean, Talon's been pretty – they need someone to play with Ekblad still. And, again, you know, T Talon being honest about it is going to make Talon have to wear that. You know, he's oh, the one I, that I keeps saying – standard now because he said that, it. Well, and, but it's also his failure. over the. He, this has been what he they've been trying to do is find a partner for Ekblad since Campbell left, and they have not done it. And it's a failure on the people who are still here. And it's a failure on the people who aren't here, but they're, they aren't here anymore. You can't do anything about it. You can only hire better people, like the people they need to replace the people who are working now, the people. Yeah. People. Well, if they fire, people, if they people. fire the GM, then that's what they do. Um, I'm just looking around and seeing defensemen. Like, who would be the people that you would – you got to think creatively because, like, we I've been bringing up names like Jake Bean or, or back in nine in Boston. Like, you got to think, and Talon has been saying this too they need a defenseman for like three to four years. They need, they are trying, they're now reacting to the fact that they have not drafted good enough defensemen. They've drafted, they've drafted interesting defensemen. defensemen. I like Riley Stillman, I like Santo Kanunin. I, like Gildan oh, enough not. in theory, but we have so many of him more mature level. I don't, you know, he's a trade trip to me now. Uh, I like Kali Chanuk enough, but like we, they still don't have so what do you think it a would better cost? defense. Then. What do you think it would cost, even though the Wild just fired Bruce Boudreau, which I don't really understand, after trading Jason Zucker? Like, I've seen a lot of people mention Jonas Berdine. Like, I mean, I think that you – I would be willing – a lot of good things. I mean, I'd if if it's just a matter if of Kekalainen, if Kekalainen watched enough of his games and thought that he would be a good enough investment, I'd be okay with a first. But I think it'd be I I mean I'd be much more comfortable with prospects. Like you know, I, let's let's move some wingers. I mean, do would they want Borgstrom? Like Borgstrom for him. Okay. I, yeah, I could, I could you know, be okay like, with that. We gotta, we gotta start. Borgstrom's gonna become a Michael McCarron. Borgstrom's gonna become a Galchenyuk. Uh, Brett Connolly. You know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like these, these guys all when they all of a sudden they hit their mark and they're done. And it's, it's kind of one of those things where, 
you kind of see it coming and then all of a sudden it just drops off a cliff and he's just another guy in the you know dime store bin mm-hmm. but i mean like it, it, it seems like they're going to do something i think that's obvious that they're going to do something. They have to find a willing what... partner. They have to find a will. They have to have their owners be willing. They have to yeah, have their co. They have to have the gumption to move on from these guys. Terrific. Move on from pieces of the core. Have they traded anybody from the core outside Bukestad? Bukestad and some would argue McCann with that trade. And Bukestad, you know, was fine enough, but he was still always ancillary core. Yeah. You know, especially with the injuries. He was always ancillary core. And is, is this I mean, there if if whoever is the GM is moving on from Matheson this offseason, that's almost game. I mean, they're trying to trade him now and I don't know if the forward thing's helping or hurting. I would be trying if you're uh, if they're willing to work this that, hard to I make him point, work. That's just a that's a temporary to, thing yeah. because they want to get Matheson on the ice. They don't want to scratch him. But yeah, I think that I don't, whatever the case may be is that he's he's gone next year. There's no doubt about that. I would, like, yeah. And he, the biggest thing gone. is try to try to find him a home that is willing to take because the cap hit isn't bad. It's just the term. And, somebody and the that's not willing is higher than it. Yeah, than in the cap hit, take yeah. on somebody that wants him enough that they're not going to make you pay that much extra for the term. Yeah, you know, because they'll be like, oh, about, with the term. About a rebuilding team, like I mean, the Devils could use a defenseman, just like somebody who's steady. Yeah, I mean, I mean again, they're, teams the Red that, Wings could use a team, a player like that. Other teams that are on those, like the, you know, we talked about those GM articles about where guys don't want to sign in free agency. You call up those teams, you know, okay. like Winnipeg needs new defensemen and everything. They would maybe take it. Now, I don't know what their response back would be, what we would have to take from them and what the price would be and everything, but it's got to be, it's going, I mean, it's, it's happened before. It's not, he's not untradeable. No, he's, he's not got untradeable. good I, enough I skill it's level going to happen and, and it's better for him. And it's, yeah, better no, for he, needs him. To, he needs to go. It, it's, it's one of those times where it's like, it's never going to work in Florida. I hope he succeeds somewhere else. It's just, it's yeah. time. And I, I think that that's the case with some other players. And I think ultimately he ends up in Seattle, to be honest. Ultimately, you know ultimately. If, if, if we're doing an expansion Seattle. draft projection right now, you'd have to protect Yandel. You're going to protect Ekblad. It's I a nice city to for him and his family to end up in. Oh, yeah. You know, he can be a, a corner. Corner, you know, he can be he can be you know a cornerstone of a franchise, and that would give. Oh, him, I think you know what? If the, I if, think it would give I him a bump for beyond his career. That's a good shout. Because yeah. I don't think the Panthers are protecting him in the expansion draft. They did before. But, but I'm I'm hoping we don't have to let it get to that. I think no, he's well, gonna. I, I know, I know. But there, but that's a that's a thing that we've. T- or maybe even Buffalo. Good lord, they could use a defenseman. I wouldn't mind. I mean, I feel bad because he's going from bad to worse. But I mean, something like that. So I I think when when you talk about this team, we're releasing this the day we're recording it, which is a rarity for us, and we're not going to do another show until after the trade deadline. Um, which means there's five games in the middle of that. They play the Oilers, and then they go out and play Sharks, who are bad, Anaheim, who is bad, the Kings, who are bad, and Vegas, who is not as good as they looked when they played Florida the last time. I mean, it, it, this, is, this, is, this is time to get down to brass taxes. This is where Keith Yandel has to prove that his leadership beyond, oh, hey, isn't it great that Nolachari had two hat-tricks in a row? That's amazing. Or, hey, Nolachari playing with Mark Pesek and Mike Matheson is called the helicopter line because he's got no wings. 
you know. Yeah, great. I can't it's do fun. that anymore, man. No, 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 no. It's not time for that anymore. And as yeah. much as I, I enjoy, I think, because I'm like that as a person. I like making jokes. I like taking the piss out of stuff. But right now for the Florida Panthers, they don't need that. They need somebody who is going to show them, you know, we have to do this. This is how we're going to win. Maybe it's somebody like Brett Connolly who has won the Stanley Cup or somebody to that effect or Anton Strawman who's been there before who stands up and says, this is what we got to do. And if you're not going to do it, then get out of our way. You know, like you got to piss people off at this point in order to make it because like even if they get steamrolled by the lightning in the first round and they would, they got to make the playoffs. That's just the most important thing. And to get there, they have to play so much better than they actually have. Now, can it's, you overcome this? Yes, because there was a stretch earlier in the year after that 4 nothing comeback against the Ducks where I believe they lost 7 of 10, and we were podcasting in the middle of that, and it sounded exactly like it sounds now, although a little less urgent. And they ended up getting out of it and playing. After that, they played a lot better, and they had a little, you know, a bump in their row, but then that led eventually to winning a stretch of, like, might have been something like 8 of, like, 13 or something like that, including a six-game winning streak. They're 2-5-1 and one now. But if they go four and one in their next five, then they're in position again. But they have to prove that they can get back to that. And do they have the people in there? I'm not blaming Barkov for this because he's trying his hardest. Same with Huberto. Same with Ekblad. It's going to be on other guys to step up and be accountable to themselves. And that's a, that's Sergei Bobrovsky. That's Sergei Bobrovsky who has been who was horrible last night. I can't really blame him uh, for the fact that his team did not want to clear out rebounds in front of him. You know. I mean, we don't need to have the Bobrovsky thing again because we've talked about it before. If Carter Hart gave up a rebound, there was a, floor, there was a flyer defenseman who was willing to clear it out and getting into the dirty areas. For one of those goals that was a rebound, Anton Strauman just stood there looking at the puck. It was, it was awful. And then for some of the others, it was just, you've got to be kidding. I felt horrible for, for Bobrovsky at some point because it's like he's got no help. And all the things he expects yeah. to see, he doesn't see. So I can't blame Bobrovsky. He, he's been bad. But as I said, I think a lot of Panthers fans are now coming around fully to the fact that, you know, Bobrovsky's bad, but his defense is making him look a lot worse than he actually is. Here, here's the thing. The goaltending, whether it's an issue or not, it's not something that needs to be dealt with right now or this offseason. It, it's going to be dealt with if Bobrovsky can't come back from the offseason, get through another training camp, you know, where he's more comfortable with the team, the area, how we play and everything, after it gives the Panthers time to improve the defense. If then he's still struggling and it's this time, then we can start talking about what we need to do about the Sergei Bobrovsky goaltending issue. Other than that, we just let Spencer Knight go back to college, dominate again, mm-hmm. or, you know, Hopefully he doesn't go to the AHL because the AHL no, needs a, to get a little better AHL. first. Holy cow! I would rather send him to Finland or Sweden or something. Uh, I don't even know if that would be good because he'd have to relearn a different ice rink. But uh, but he should not be. He will be a sophomore at BC next year and he'll be fine. Yeah, There's no issue with that. You, yeah, you I think that's what the I think that's what everybody wants right now. But who knows? Oh, um, again, if if, but, again, if these are I, the people who are talking about Barkov is the problem, then yeah, so. and and just just the order of operations here, uh, goaltending isn't. Well, that's more like what what happens when Knight's playing well and we still have Bobrovsky. How do we work around it? That's the that's issue. The question with goaltending. you ask in the future, you can't right. ask that now. 
Like, yeah, so I always think it's on the defense. It's on the it's, defense. It's on, defense. it's on the centers. It's on to getting better prospects, drafting better. It's on to Whether getting Dale Talon doing it or not. It is a unified right message. The, it is on right now. Ownership saying money can't solve all your problems, and you have to say, what are we doing that other teams? What are we not doing that other teams are doing? Why are we? Why are we still where we are? And they have to admit to themselves as all bad ownership has to do, that they are going to have to admit that they're wrong, absorb some fault, I, and then... Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, I don't care about, like, them admitting they're wrong or anything. I, they just need to make a decision. They need to either... Because it's not going to be the players that pull them out of this at this point. It's not going to be... Uh, so it's either going to be Talon's moves at the deadline... Or it's got to be Q's going to pull them out of this. Uh, and so then they got to just go to Q, be like, what defenseman can we go rent that you are that you're, that you would play that would help you get us over the hump and into the playoffs? And then they just try to luck into the playoffs because they have a decent shot of doing that. Yeah, and they're not out of it. We, they so horribly. This is the worst hockey they do that or two points out of a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, and if they do that, I think, you know, if you're turning it over to Q in that sense, you're basically saying we're going to bring in a new GM who's going to have a top-down, full new implementation, and we're going to do it this way. And it's going to work in conjunction with what Q wants to do, obviously. But I mean, it's not like these... it hasn't been happening with Talon, but... You need a better decision maker. You need someone who's uh, maybe more hungry, or maybe has some new ideas, or maybe has a better like knowledge Joe of the. Vito from Columbus, or a young, hungry guy who deserves his opportunity and can get his opportunity. That would be, and again, you have smart people around who can help him out to insulate him. Maybe that's the situation that we say, right? Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. but anyway. But uh, I think they, if the they can't, I, I think that's enough for the Panthers for now. Until they prove that they can either that this rut's going to continue or they can get out of it. There's not much, yep. much else we can say about it. I think the other thing I want to say, though, about the Flyers is, you know, I don't know how good they're going to be if they make the playoffs because they're going to have to play somebody like Boston or Washington or Pittsburgh, and they're not better than those teams. But you know what? You can see what their – I don't know what their ceiling is, but they've got a good high floor. And that, I mean, after recent years – they they played pretty well. I love I love Sanheim, Provorov, and Myers. They're so good. That's just you love that, and I love that they do. They're not the Flyers that are gonna kill you and punch you in the face, but they still have that even though they've evolved. And it's credit to Vigneault. I thought that that was a terrible idea, and hiring Yo and Terrian was also a bad idea. But it's working now. So credit to Chuck Fletcher. They've executed on some. They things just need to figure out. Need to put Jeru uh, back on the strong side or the all. Uh, on the power play because yeah. him on the strong side just doesn't work but i mean but but again like right now they're in pretty good shape i think that they could probably as i said don't know if they'd be a team i'd pick to win in the first round but you know what and and listen for the flyers there are higher expectations than that but for the first year with a team that's trying to transition from being a building team to a contending team all the time i think they're doing a pretty decent job of it Oh yeah, I mean they're gonna get, they're gonna be a lot better next year. Um, they have a lot of guys. They have a lot more guys coming. They they have Carter less Hart issues. They they've solved the goaltending. Yeah. I, Carter Hart is really good. He is he he's so calm. Be, Everything he does is just that's what you want to see. 
So they're on the they're on the upward trajectory, and you can see it. Even if they're not going to be amazing, you know, they're on the upward trajectory. It's not like we don't know what way the arrow is pointing. You know what way the arrow is pointing. It's it stinks right now that you're playing in a division that's got Pittsburgh that just traded for Jason Zucker and the Capitals, who even though they were awful recently, still pretty dang good. And or you might have to play Boston or Tampa, and good luck with that. But you know. The, the arrow's pointing up, so good for them, and they're and they're on the and they're and always on that right trajectory, and that's the thing I think that you know what we we might have said about Comcast last year, they they made bold decisions, but they stuck, they had courage of their conviction, and that's what I think is really important. They had a vision, they stuck to it, they made the right decisions. And you mean that. Florida doesn't have any conviction? Ooh, ah, shocking. Yeah, it seems. I mean, it just seems like they're yeah just. As I said, a mix of the timid and reactionary. They it's... made the playoffs in 2015-16 was a reaction to a reaction to a reaction. And that is not how you build a roster. You build a roster with a plan, with an idea and a structure. And that's why, I mean, let's talk about quickly Bruce Boudreaux being fired. Thankfully, if we had done this on a normal schedule, Bruce Boudreaux would not have been fired by the time this podcast was recorded. But that's different today. I don't understand why they fired him because he's actually doing a decent job with a team that just traded a really important piece. But because they, I think it's because they Bill Guerin's in there. Bill Guerin knows he's going to want a new coach and they're giving Boudreaux the, the, the respect he deserves to give him the downtime to let him reset and pick a new team and get out there ahead of it. So teams know well in advance before trade deadline uh, that he's on the market, that he's, you know, because Minnesota is going to the trade deadline. Does this signal that they're willing to shop Rodin now and, and other defensemen? I, I think no it does. Idea. I think it does because this is what this is a decision you make. And for me, Bill Guerin is that type of guy. Uh, Pittsburgh's front office, you know, with Rutherford and others, it's always been a uh, we treat people a certain way to get um, mutual respect back. And you know, you see it with the trades, like. They usually don't have to overpay that much because people like working with them, it seems, because they always get good deals. They always have teams willing that to work with them. That was a trade for the Wild to and what they got. Obviously, obviously, you know, there's connections there because Bill Guerin used to be in Pittsburgh and now he's in Minnesota and they're trading with each other. But that's not – that's par for the course for Pittsburgh's other trades with Anaheim, with a lot of their frequent customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and – I think Garen's taking stock of everything and saying, I'm going to be making big enough shifts that Boudreaux's going to want a different team, uh, is going to want to be coaching a different type of team. If you're the, well, not Vegas. I'm thinking it's still an expansion team. I mean, if I was Vegas, I'd want Boudreaux over what they got right now, but they already. Uh, So you've got Laviolette, Gallant, and Boudreaux as three potential options for your team. Yeah, and that's exactly why I think you know it's it's good for Boudreaux to get yeah, out now. The teams that would fire their head coach this offseason, I can't think of any. I mean, I guess maybe if you're maybe Detroit would. Do well, one like Seattle hasn't named a coach yet, so. No, but I think maybe that's there's one pattern. But if you're but if you're like I because the only other team maybe New Jersey hires a full time coach. I don't don't think Bruce Boudreaux's a building kind of coach. Gallant Dallas is a kind of coach. Dallas. Dallas maybe, but they're doing well under bonus. I think that that would be Calgary might if Calgary doesn't make the playoffs. It depends on. I think it's. Excuse me. Ooh. I, I think the uh, exit 
Yeah. I think the exit interview with Sagan and Ben, uh, if they're going to still be holding the keys to the, the locker room, I think that will have a lot of say in whether Bonus stays or goes. Uh, you know, if they want to play for him, if they uh, believe in him, because if not, it's going to be the same old. Oh, the star players are horseshit, and you know the. Uh, that was you know, the president, though. It, the exactly, exactly. But it's going to be, you know, if they don't feel comfortable with bonus and they bring bonus back, it's just not going to work, and they're going to stumble back into that path, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean. I'm so thinking, I, like, especially with point. with you know, there's still Babcock out there. There's still uh, like people that. You're hiring ahead of Mike Babcock at this point. I'd be calling three coaches. But Dallas is a different animal. I mean, it's. Yeah, I know. I think that they would hire. They always like the prestige. They always go for, you know, I. I, And I've lost. They hired, yeah. Yeah, and I think Jim Nill is the type of guy who is totally fine rehabbing people in a in that Texas market where. you know, it's it's more forgiving to the hockey culture, to be honest with you. Mm. You know, well, I think, well, and it's out of the limelight. It's you know, it's he's it, going to love to go there. Of, there's pressure. Toronto's going to be paying. Toronto's going to be paying that paycheck with no state tax. I think Babcock's going to like it there. If he if he ends up being that coach, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So I think that it's, it's just funny to see that happen. You know, it's it's. I think now, if you go from the start of the end of the end of last season to now, I think it's now seventeen teams have changed their coach. I think it's seven. It's sixteen or seventeen, which is half the league, more than half the league. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, absolutely wild. And Paul Maurice got an extension, even though his team plays some of the worst hockey in the league. It's amazing. Truly, truly amazing. Uh, you gotta love it. Uh, so are you? So is if it, if you got Boudreau, Laviolette, and Gallant for Seattle, you could pick a one of those three. Who would you pick? Well, I mean, I just always do Gallant. I mean, that, that's, that's, see, that's for any situation. I pick Gallant. for any situation, but I think that Boudreau is going to end up being Seattle's pick um, because I think he is going to want more stability and taking an expansion team i think you're going to automatically get 3 years and i think you know i think he's going to want stability most of all and i think nowadays when teams hire and fire coaches really quickly um it's hard to find the right situation where you can guarantee that trust for a few years and seattle expansion team that's a rarity that doesn't happen uh, and it's a more special situation where it's more likely Mm-hmm. I could definitely see that. You definitely see that. It's, it's, I mean, they got the best possible coaches. It's the expansion teams are like MLS expansion teams. Well, some of them at least. Not yeah, all of them, I'm just happy. Them. I'm just happy that now whenever a coach gets fired, I don't have to be like, oh, I wish Florida would hire them. Yeah, that's, it's, that's, it's, it's that's like the one right positive. The Panthers, it's but if they can't that. make it work in a few years, it's going to be a negative. So but we will <laughs> I, see what the, happens when well, they can uh, oh, man. They, uh, have to go in this area. Um, Zach Bogosian uh, on waivers. No, He's terrible. No, they're they're um, going to pick him up, but no. I, okay. I would – I'm almost willing to bet money. I'm not there yet, but I'm almost willing to bet money to pick him up. And I'm sure oh, someone will do that on the cap space. Um, Zach Cassian tried to kick a dude in the chest with a skate blade. Very Zach Cassian of him. Of course, that was worth a four-year contract. So I would right. say that he's going to get the book thrown at him because 
everybody on Twitter, everybody on like I mean, that I've was. I've never seen that. I've seen you have to. Kick out you before, have to. That's a the soccer NH- thing. It it would be as bad as the Astros press conference if the NHL only gave him one or two games. Like it I really would. More than that. Yeah, I think he has to get five played. plus. He has to get five plus. But I think, um, I think you probably have to get ten. Split the difference. I want ten. I, 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 I think you, you have I know to go a lot double of people digits. Are, are going to want that. I think they're going to split the difference, and it's. Gonna I mean, be like three. He, I mean, with that trajectory, with the guy leaning over, that's very close to the throat. I mean, like that. It, you know, he. We're not talking about he's, he's kicking at. He's, he's not kicking at legs. He's not like you know. He's not like kicking like the his toe box into a shin or something. He was going blade first up at the sternum and neck area of a, of a player. For no, for really no re, it really no reason. It wasn't like the guy was mauling him or anything. It was, you know, there, it wasn't like the guy even did anything dirty to him. Really, it was really just a that was his gut reaction to do, and that needs to be, that really needs to be. Uh, you, you have to use this as an example. I mean, I, there's no I, other. Way. I mean, listen, I would, but I have long since abandoned the hope that player safety is going to do that i'm with so. you i, I I'm i've with long you. since abandoned hope when mike matheson got suspended for two games for absolutely no reason at all but because it was a vancouver game on a saturday night people got angry i've long since abandoned and hope. and, I mean, and, and now I, and and Pedersen, to be fair as much as i love him and as great of a hockey player he is he's one of the best players in the league blah 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 all that precursor stuff he goes over very easily he's a leaf in the wind um Which so is, uh, listen there's a lot of competition uh in soccer we've compared a lot of comparisons to soccer today by the way did you want to know something that has broken during this show in terms of soccer news we'll end this uh, i wanted it to be hockey news well um, it is no hockey news unfortunately not yet at least um Okay. David's been put on IR. Obviously, he's not going to play. Oh, the Panthers might take a lot, of, a lot of injuries after these uh, long, extended bye weeks after oh, good Lord, the All Star yeah. break. There's that too. Maybe There's we put the bye too. weeks other place in the schedule, eh? I'm just thinking. I would be thinking about that too if I was the league. Scatter. Maybe. Give everybody yeah, down. I, sta- I would stagger. Game. I would definitely stagger them if I was the league. It's hard to do that because of arena availabilities and dates. Um. There is a piece of, I want to do soccer news, then we'll do one thing about the Olympics. Uh, Manchester City has been banned for two years from the Champions League for um, cheating, for gaming the system. For what did they do? Banging yeah. on trash cans? Did they, they have pulses on, on their, they, pulses they on their legs to tell them when to kick? Ah, no, 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 no. Although Pep would definitely do that because you know what happens when a Manchester City or a Pep Guardiola team doesn't get what they want. And they start getting all angry and they hack at you, you know, Kung Fu Panda style, basically. Um, what they did is they broke financial fair play rules. And what that means is they tried to game the rules with some sort of Abu Dhabi sponsorship stuff of this nature. Oh, um, uh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. They're, That's they football cheating. For the next That's... two years. Very, very high-level soccer cheating. Uh, they've been banned for two years. There is no way they've been banned for two years. They're going to get a one-year ban. The Court for Arbitration of Sports is going to knock it down. They were fined $32.5 million, which sounds like a lot until you realize it's a sneeze. Abu Dhabi. So they found them in their couch cushions, those... Uh... Well, because they already made they made a lot more money cheating. So the, the oh, fine is... Yeah. So they they build it in they build it into the cheating. They're like, oh, they're, we're probably going to get fined like $50 million, So let's just you know make sure we you know make it worth our while oh god i love it you just you just love to see it that's uh 
You just love to see it. But again, I would love yeah. to see Florida start doing stuff like that. Ah. Like, I am tired of losing. Like we, the, yeah, the, well, the good thing about the Astros mean, is in, in this example for the Panthers, the good thing about the Astros is they're not going to take away the World Series. People might not like you for it. But I mean, like, what's going to happen if the if Major League Baseball stripped the World Series? It's going to be like what happens when the NCAA strips national titles from teams. They already won the trophy. The trophy's in their trophy case. It's not going away. They still want it. You know, you can still watch the videos that says so-and-so are national champions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want to talk one thing quickly about the Olympics because it's come up again. Um, I think it would be obvious that the NHL should go to the Olympics, but now they're using the Olympics as a collective bargaining chip because, of course, the NHL is doing that because nice things are not allowed. The, the Olympics would be great for a whole multitude of reasons, not just for, you know, where they're taking place and what the NHL wants to do in said country, but also... That's how hockey gets more popular. You know, the NHL can't market itself on its own. Its stars don't market itself on its own well enough. The Olympics, you get national pride. You would get everybody knowing who Austin Matthews and all and Quinn Hughes and all these great players in 2022. The Olympics would be spectacular, but now it's being used as a bargaining chip for a collective bargaining agreement that doesn't even expire until after those Olympics take place. A collective bargaining agreement that the NHL and the NHLPA said they didn't want to reopen. So thank you very much, Gary, for that. Would you, are you uh, his legacy is going to be great. Um, I want the I want NHL players in the Olympics. Yes. Yes. So I I agree with you. I think it's awesome. And I mean, again, everyone, if you put those games in the Olympics, they'd start at eight in the morning China time. That means they'd be eight in the morning U.S. time. You get people lining up in bars watching these games it would be great it's the showpiece event of the winter olympics is the hockey tournament and the last hockey tournament was terrible i I just it was hard to watch it was not good hockey uh it was interesting in many ways but not for the reasons that you know it would be interesting but you get a tournament like this now we'll see what happens in in a couple years but they, they should be going to the olympics they should be going to the olympics it should not be i understand why owners don't like it when they go to the olympics because it happens in the middle of their season but you know what's happening in the middle of the season in a couple of years in soccer? The World Cup. And somehow they're going to deal with it in soccer. And if they can deal with it, and they're even greedier MFers than the NHL, then I'm sure the NHL could figure it out. The end. So everything ties back to soccer. Of course it does. Yes. And that is why um, I do not do a soccer podcast. I wish I did. Uh, but you don't need to hear about that. Now. So is there anything else you'd like to mention? before we uh, wrap it up and we talk to you next after the trade deadline. No, but the Panthers better do something quickly because only oh, yeah. even I can only go back to the same well so often. It's, uh-huh. you know, if, you know, this is a... This is, this this is put is, up for shut-up time. It's put up for shut-up time. Yeah. You, you got it. You got them. A lot of people invest a lot of things into, you know, money, time, energy... You know, whatever you want to call it. It looked for a while like you had seized it. Now you've thrown it away a little bit. It's time to put up or shut up. But also, I've had fun, you know, watching the league rise to a better level around Florida. And and other games that don't involve Florida are fun to watch. Uh, There's a lot of talent out there. This year, I don't know about that. And if you need to take a break from the Panthers mentally, that's okay. If you need to be a Maryland basketball, if you want to be a fan of another team for a little bit, that's okay too. It's because at this point, Florida hasn't earned any loyalty. 
the booing, spectacular. 100% warranted, and I'm glad Panthers fans are they, Yeah, Yeah, Florida at this they point hasn't, hasn't earned loyalty. No, they've earned, they've earned nothing. And I used to think that, I mean, fan loyalty is, is whatever you want to make it. It's but the only I, leverage you have. It's the only token you have to play. That and your dollars. We saw with what Dwayne did to bring this podcast back around full circle. You have a voice. You can Dwayne use it. Van Gretzky. Yeah. That's his name. Uh, the, 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 the booze showed you. That was a national TV game. It wasn't in Philly, but it was mostly it was national TV game. And they heard the booze. People watched that, and they saw that the Panthers fans that were there, and they were there, they were pissed, and they had right to be. And then Absolutely. The, team, you know, the Sabres, the Oilers, Panthers fans, you might not think there are many of them, but the ones that are there are furious, and they have rights to be. And continue yeah. to and hold their feet to the fire. To, you have to, to put that in context, they, uh, they just released ticket uh, packages for next year, season ticket packages, and uh, you're not allowed to do any – there's like more limitations on tailgating and i'll do any tailgating before games or apparently uh, good work, in the parking guys. lot and uh some other things i mean i'm not a season ticket holder but uh i'm, I'm assuming that the season ticket holders are mildly miffed about that as they should be because you know owners stay not actually knowing what their fans want it's just a common thing anyway we will talk to you next trade deadline probably right after it which will be 10 days from when we were recording this and dropping this. And until then, good night and good hockey. And do something, Dale, before somebody else does it for you. Yeah, and you're back to being president poolside. Golf courses are great this time of year. Just like Captain Poolside, Jeva. President Poolside. President Course Side. Golf Course Side. President Joe Bokovic.